that's what we do. Super Bowl's over. Not that we cared about football anyways after <laughs> after the bowl game. But, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's hoop season. Selection Sunday is four weeks away. Not sure if Utah State's going to be a participant in that or not. Oh. But that, that's what we're talking about. So pleasure to have you wherever you're listening. And uh, it's a big Monday, baby. It's a big, big Monday. And Tomorrow's you know Valentine's Day. You got you got any plans? For no, I, I, publicly I have no plans for Valentine's Day. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, you shouldn't. You know why? Because you should have a seat right there uh, courtside in the spectrum. Oh, that's right. For Air Force Utah State. Yep. Finally, Utah State playing Tuesday night once again. They've yeah. been playing a lot of Wednesday games. Mm-hmm. Back back on the the Tuesday night grind. Well, uh, do you know why else it's a big week? Uh, please. Please enlighten us. I think I have. I think I know a little bit what you're about to bring up, but mm-hmm. I would like you to tell us, Mr. Jake Ellis. Well, uh, the all-time leading scorer in Utah State men's basketball history is getting his jersey retired. It's J.C. Carroll. J.C. Carroll, number twenty. Aggie legend, and uh, rightfully so. They're gonna retire his jersey Saturday during the Nevada game. Um, so it should be a big one. And to prepare you for that, uh, you know, ja- ja- what's the word when you, you're you fixing someone's memory? Jog? Jog your memory? Jog your memory, yeah. yeah. To jog your memory. To jog your memory, we put together a bunch of interviews with uh, teammates and none other than former head coach, the winningest head coach in Aggie history, Stu Morrill. Uh, we got Q and A's with all of them, and Jason. Let, let, let me bring it to you. You know, yeah. Jake Ellis, he went eight mode <laughs> on the journalism grind, really just getting after it. So, you want John Neal? We got John Neal. Mm-hmm. You want Gary Wilkinson? We got Gary Wilkinson. You you want Ty Wesley? We got Ty Wesley. Spencer Nelson, check. The one and the only should have the court named after him, Stu Morrill, check. <laughs> and then obviously the big man himself, J.C. Carroll, in person interview in J.C.'s home. Jake Ellis went with uh, with some other statesman folk, and so just kind of a, a loaded loaded slate of Q and A's. There's like awesome awesome video that the statesman put together. Documentary, um, is that what we're calling it? Yeah, it's like a, an 11 minute documentary. So just long enough to be interesting, not too long that you ain't gonna care about it. Um, but I mean, you could have made that 30 minutes. People would have watched about Jason. Yeah, Carroll. yeah, yeah. I mean, we tried to. You know, we made it tight. We put in the, the best highlights from, from his Aggie career. Um, and then a little sneak peek, uh, a video that we haven't announced yet, but we got an Aggie Cribs coming out where JC shows us his trophy case, you know, all the the, the numerous trophies he won in Europe. I mean, league titles, Sheesh. Kings Cup, Super Cup. So it's well, very I, sick. I, th- I think that's really cool because something about JC Carroll, a lot of people believe that he could have had a better shot in the NBA if he was a, maybe an era later, right? Mm-hmm. With spread the court, the three ball attack. Some people think that he could have maybe, if the opportunity was better, he could have been the man in the NBA. But that doesn't matter because he was the man in Europe. He made a lot of money, and he was on like the premier. He was in the Premier League, winning Premier Championships out there. And even in the in the Q and A with Stu Morrill, it says right here that Stu Morrill told you. Quote, and once he was playing overseas, I heard someone say he's one of the best shooters, if not the best shooter in the world. Mm-hmm. End quote. Stu Morrill said that about J.C. Carroll. So, I mean, this this guy's the man. And uh, 
only fitting that the best shooter in the world has a big old private gym in his house to shoot to shoot up hoops. <laughs> yeah. When you when you were in there, Jake, did you shoot any hoops? No. Uh, that's yeah. a missed opportunity. I felt that was a little disrespectful. <laughs> no, but I was too focused on setting up the camera and all that. But it, it's super nice. I really appreciate JC taking the time to you know let us come over there and, and set things up and ask him questions. So super exciting. Um, in the Statesman this week, middle of the paper, it's a huge poster, just like a collage of, of old photos from him, uh, from the Statesman, and, uh, you know, some quotes. That one of my favorite is uh, Stu Morrill comparing him to Jeff Hornacek. It's uh, one of my favorite quotes I found in the archives. And then, um, you know, on the other side, it has this, the, this big Q&A we've been talking about. And then, uh, you know, if you want more, just go to the usustatesman.com slash Carroll. And it's all there, all all five, I believe, Q and A's. I don't know. <laughs> There's a few, <laughs> but um, if you're if you're fancying a, sh- a stroll down memory lane, I got you I, covered this week. Fa- fancying a stroll, mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. And you know, you can read all about this in the content that Jake and the Statesman have put together. But I think that for for the young bloods, if you're if you're an old time CV Cash Valley guy, if you went to school during the the 2000s. You know all about J.C. Carroll. But here's the thing. The dude's the all-time leading scorer in Utah State history. And there have been so many good players. And so... It's the, not even close, too. Let me tell it's, you. It's not even close. Because guess who, guess who number two is? Do you have the list up? Like, I don't... I, I'll quiz you. Because I, I think okay, I have okay. the top four in my head. Okay, right? quiz me. Yeah, trivia okay, time. So, number one, J.C. Carroll. J.C. Carroll. told you. Number two is Sam Merrill. Sam Merrill. Guess by how, how far behind he is. He's hefty amount behind right i believe it's three or four hundred points so it's wow. it's not a couple games it's 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 a it's a good margin it's a good margin yeah i remember i remember when merrill was after the record he was picking people off it was never a conversation in senior year that he was going to catch jc carroll yeah. but do you know who he did catch number three it's the one and the only wayne estes the most legendary utah state basketball player let me just point this out wayne estes didn't get to play all of his senior season because yep. he died tragically, which is horrific. Yeah. Also, there was no three-point line back then. Mm-hmm. Wayne Estes so, would have been balling. So I, yeah, it's I, like an unfair handicap. That, no, no, but <laughs> I, I think that J.C. Carroll would still probably have it because he was just so dominant. I, I think it's. But here's, here's the crazy so, thing. Yeah. Here's the crazy thing. He averaged 18.8 points per game across his entire career as an Aggie. That's Four like your starter. That's well, you know we write game recaps right, mm-hmm. and if a dude writes scores 18 points. Steven Ashworth averages like 15 points. So he'll get up there a handful of times. A lot of times if a dude gets up there, the story, if not centers around them, they're a major piece of it, yeah. right? Like if a dude scores into 20 points, since his freshman year, he, he averaged 14 his freshman year, and it only got higher and higher since then. This was the team that they went to two NCAA tournaments when he was there. Yep. In. Won the Big West. Won the Big West, right? And so, I mean, this was like, man, like, this is like modern college basketball. Dude comes in off his mission from Evanston <laughs> and is just a hooper from day one. Starts, is the team's leading scorer, and to average 18 points a game for your career yeah, for freshman, sophomore, junior, senior is crazy. And the fact that he only averaged 14 and then 16 as junior and sophomore year, that's just, or excuse me, as freshman and sophomore year, that just shows of like, hey, like this dude was dropping 20 on a nightly basis. <laughs> So, I mean, that's just, like, incredible. I'm, gl- I'm glad you said right off his mission because one of the favorite stories I was told, give you another sneak peek here, John Neal, you know, he thought 
himself the the best conditioned Aggie on the team. Like that was something he kind of took pride in. Mm-hmm. And then his senior year, JC Carroll comes in, joins the team, and RMs have a bit of a you know a bit of a what's the word? There's, there's a bit of a stereotype about yeah, him. sure. That uh, you, you, you're not in the best shape, you know, and, and rightfully so. I mean, you don't have the time to, to train on basketball all the time, right? So typically it takes guys a while to adjust. But J.C. Carroll comes back, fresh off his mission from Chile. He he beats John Neal, the, the best conditioned player on the team, in the mile. And that was Stu Morrill's favorite memory of him, and it's John Neal's favorite memory of him. And it's just, I mean, can you believe that? Like Certified dog. <laughs> Certified dog. Yeah, comes back from Chile. I haven't heard that story before. Yeah, well, plenty, plenty more in there. So uh, you think you know everything about JC? Well, you might. I'm not going to question your knowledge, but but we can we can at least remind you of some some fun stories in those Q and A's. So yeah, I mean, just I, I pulled up his his stats um, in his senior year, the 0708 year is truly just remarkable because I mean. There's one thing about scoring 20 points a game, but there's another thing is about usage rate and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And in the, in the NBA, you can score 20 points a game because the games are so long, and if you're the player with a dominant ball handler. But in college, obviously, it's much tougher to do, especially in Steve Morrell's offense because it was so team-oriented. There was no way that he was going to be allowed to be the guy that just hoisted up all the shots throughout the game. Yep. But his senior year, he averaged 22.8 points, so practically 23 points. And... He shot 51% from the field, 51% from beyond the arc. 51%. And he had six rebounds a game. So, I mean, the dude just loaded up the stat sheet, just greatest shooter in Utah State history. And they they won so many games, and that really kick-started. Because, you know, I he was in a little bit of a there – were, there were, it wasn't the strongest senior class around him. Like, there were some other great guys. But the, some of the guys that came before him and then – kind of the the years after him all went to the NCAA tournament, right? And so he was kind of in this middle ground where it's almost like the J.C. Carroll area is just like, it's all about J.C. almost. Yeah. And even you, the guys that you spoke with, most of them are the other legendary Aggies from the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. None of them were quite his same graduating class. They no, were either it's, it's guys the beginning or the tail end. Yeah. And so that's another thing is there were so many legendary teams, but he was kind of just a man amongst himself. Yeah. But there were still great players around. They made the NIT his senior year. They were a great mm-hmm. team. But, I mean, this it, w- it was just all about J.C. Carroll. And that, there hasn't really been, even Sam Merrill's senior year, there was Numias Keta, right? And so th- this is really, in recent memory, this is the time when it's one dude was more of a star than head, heads and shoulders above the rest of his teammates. Yeah. Well, and then just one other thing I want to mention. You talk about his blazing three-point field goal percentage. I mean, he's still number two all time in NCAA history, field goal percentage from from downtown. Um, I think he's behind some guy from from Northern Arizona. <laughs> so, I mean, you can you can judge the difference in competition between Utah State and Northern Arizona and who, who you were shooting over, um, and, and know who's the true goat there. But yeah, I mean, you just <laughs> I you won't look, call it out. <laughs> nah, but I mean, you look at you look at your usage rates, and I don't have the three-point baskets that he hoisted per game. But obviously, if he averaged 18 points, 18.8 points for his career, he shot a lot of baskets per game. And so I know there's stipulations with the NCAA of how many you have to shoot per game to yeah. be counted for your career. So it's not like Dan Aiken is 100% <laughs> this year, right, because yeah. he's only taken yeah. one and he made it. But still, like to be 
the leading scorer on the team for four years and to still have that record as the number two best three-point shooter in NCAA history. That's 360-plus teams times ever. times eight <laughs> times ever, right? Like, that—that that is an incredible, incredibly impressive stat. So, yeah, they're retiring his number Saturday. I believe it's a 6 p.m. tip-off. Yeah, I believe so. Wide out, the herd, the herd got it right. Oh, they, okay. they, they heard us. Wide the out. herd heard. I know they're our, their longtime listeners. Lo- the, uh, fans. the the herd board, their longtime listeners. <laughs> they heard everything we said. and said, "All right, we're going to keep it simple." So it's an, a blue out Tuesday against Air Force mm-hmm. for Valentine's Day, and then Saturday is the wide out. The game's practically sold out. I was looking at tickets, and it's going to be a sellout. We'll see if the students show up because. 6 p.m. on a Saturday, it's not, student-wise, that's not a late start. And it's a Saturday, it's President's Weekend. So I I think it's going to be a great crowd. Does the student section feel like it has the past couple of games? I hope so. I'm not sure if it will. I can't make any promises because I'm I'm just one of many students. But Mm -hmm. that that was a stupid thing to say, uh, kind of. But (laughs) I'm just one of many students. Like, That was just a waste of words. (laughs) A waste of words. I'm sorry. I will add to your theory there that... um, I think it, it depends on the performance against Air Force. I mean, obviously a win, but also showing the crowd a good time, um, you know, hitting some, some long-range threes or, or something like that. Uh, that's the th- kind of thing that gets gets uh, students to games. They, they wanted to have a fun time at the last game. If you do that, they'll come to the next one. And we, we should take a break before we recap last week, but I, one thing I will say real quick is even though they lost that game to San Diego State, I've heard from a lot of people like just how incredible that game was to to be a part of, to be in that arena, especially the end when they go on that 9-0 run. The defense starts locking everyone down. Just how loud it got in there. People really like, that's not a game that people that were there are going to forget, even though it didn't end the way the Aggies wanted it to. Those are the type of atmospheres that uh, keep people coming back. Yeah, you're right. Well, stick around. we got plenty more to talk about on the Aggie Radio Sports Show tonight, so stay tuned. This broadcast is brought to you by Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLU and the University of Utah College of Pharmacy. Have you found yourself wanting to pursue a career in the healthcare field but aren't sure which path aligns to your interest? The answer may be in becoming a pharmacist. The University of Utah Pharmacy School offers small class sizes, research opportunities, and unique clinical experiences. You can find more information about their first-year initiative to help with tuition costs at pharmacy.utah.edu. That's pharmacy.utah.edu. For a new hobby, a place to make friends, or a great date night, Sage Hall at the Cache County Fairgrounds has country swing dancing every Tuesday night. Founded with Cache Valley and Utah State University at its heart, hundreds of people come each week to Sage Hall to meet, dance, and create lasting memories. To stay up to date with all upcoming dances, you can find Sage Hall on Instagram or Facebook at sage.hall.utah or on their website at sagehallutah.com. Thank you. 
Authors and Logan provides the community with a way to make a difference by donating life-saving plasma. A new donor can earn up to $800 in their first month donating. The mission at Griffles is to improve the health and well-being of people around the world. Griffles Biomat USA is located in Logan next to Al's Sporting Goods. More information can be found at GrifflesPlasma.com. Programming on Aggie Radio is brought to you by Aggie Print. Aggie Print is the university's professional print shop with a variety of custom options ranging from promotional flyers to apparel and engraving. Aggie Print has two locations on USU campus. Their main office is located at 880 East and 1250 North with a quick print location on the first floor of the Taggart Student Center. More information can be found at print.usu.edu. You've tuned in to the Aggie Radio Sports Show 92.3 KBLU LP Logan, uh, presented by the Utah Statesman. I'm Jake Ellis, the sports editor of the Statesman, joined by Jacob Nielsen, a freelancer covering Utah State Athletics. And uh, it's it's men's basketball time. Got two big games to recap this week. Um, one that was a quad one opportunity. The other one that kind of seemed like a must win to maintain at-large hopes, but We'll kind of dissect it and see what we think uh, about Utah State's tournament chances. But first, Jacob, just tell us your impressions on those games. Well, my impression was last week was such an important week, and it's something that we detailed on Monday's show, how big that San Diego State game was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just chaotic game. And we don't need to go too much into depth about it because um, I think a lot of people have hashed this one over and thought about it. But, you know, they really got themselves too much in a hole similar to like when they were at the house and then really incredible second half especially they're down 10 with five minutes to go defense puts the clamps on the Aztecs and the offense I wouldn't even say it got going per se it just started making shots and so you put yourself in a, in a spot where you're down one with what 10 seconds left yep. I don't like the play that they drew up I don't think that they executed it as well as they wanted to mm-hmm. but it was supposed to go to Max Shulga and I'll say this, Max Shulga, great player. He was 2 for 10 that night, right? I don't know why they didn't give it to Sean Bearstow. Obviously, it's easy to, stay, to say Ashworth, but it's tricky when he's 6'1 and he's going to be marked up, right? Yeah. It's probably going to be a contested shot. Yes. I'm surprised they did not just do a simple pick and roll with Dan and Bearstow going to the hoop. Instead, they had it turned a tough turnaround for Shulga, and I think that... I haven't rewatched the shot in a few days, but I think that if it was executed better slash if San Diego State didn't have such a dominant defense, that jumper would have been a little bit less contested. But I don't think that was the best shot that they could have gotten in that sequence. And that loses them the game and an opportunity to get a quad one win, opportunity to just be like a legacy game because the spectrum was crazy, man. It was so loud in there. And just with the hostility, with the refs and the technicals and... San Diego State and just how exciting that game was and how bad the Aggies needed that marquee victory. They win that. The The house is it's just going to be insane and their people are going to storm the court. It, it would have just been crazy if Shulga hits that shot. He doesn't. Right? And so, tough game. You take your licks. But in the big picture, it's more of a missed opportunity than it is um, something that's going to hurt your resume. Right? Yeah. The same cannot be said well, about wait, wait, Saturday wait, hold on. night. Hold on. I, I have I'm one, getting ahead I have of myself. One thing sorry, to say <laughs> about the San Diego State game first. Um, correct me if I'm wrong here, because I might be, but 
that play designed uh you know in 10 seconds left for the game did that look familiar to you have you have you seen it this season before that that play to get max shulga a jumper at the end i'm not very smart so i'm gonna say no <laughs> because i believe i would call it against san jose state at home pretty sure that was the same play that got shulga to the line really and so i'm you know i'm not saying that, san that that's state, a great point it's not like football I, I you know where san Diego state would know hey that is the play you know that that's their go-to but I'm also not saying you know, San Diego State doesn't get to the level they are without amazing scouts in, in their staff, right? And, or even just watching tape. Yeah, and I'm just saying that they they, they they had seen that play. I guarantee you that someone had watched that for them and uh, that they probably knew that it was a pretty decent chance that that was going to happen. That's a great point. They snuffed it out because Shulga did not no even get downhill. Yeah. Like, I mean, the one against San Jose State, he was able to get to the basket and get fouled, mm-hmm. which the way that game was going, I'm not sure if they would have given him a call like they did in the San Jose State no. game. Yeah. But he wasn't able to get to the hole. He had to pull up in that one. So great, great point by Jake Ellis right there. But then Saturday. <laughs> Saturday, yeah, you know, I've, I've been covering Utah State. I've been um, going to school here long enough that – you know that every year, and part of it is just the nature of college basketball and the nature of playing the Mountain West. Part of it, too, is the Aggies can't ever make it easy for themselves. Even in the Craig Smith years when they went, when they qualified for the tournament back-to-back-to-back years, and they had three G League slash NBA caliber players on the same team in Justin Bean, Namias Keta, and Sam Merrill, they never made it easy on themselves in the path to the at-large. Three, two of those three teams lost to Air Force on the road, one of those teams lost to New Mexico on the road the last game of the regular season when New Mexico was bad. Now, I mean, this is something, there's always a bad loss that comes along in conference play when they absolutely cannot have it. The difference, they've had some incredible, incredible wins to kind of counteract. The problem is this here, they have six quad two wins, which is more than the history of Utah State basketball. But they got zero quad one wins, right? And so in that sense, San, San Jose State was a quad two opportunity. Now, if you don't have any quad four losses, like Utah State has two, and I'm getting in the weeds here, so bear with me. Um, <laughs> right, that's a great opportunity. You can afford losing that game. But when you have no quad one wins, your own four in quad one games, and then you have those two quad four losses to SMU and Weber State, there's not a lot of margin for error. No. In San Jose State did not play as well as they did when they came to the Spectrum earlier. That was an amazing game. Steven Ashworth hit a huge three near the end, and then to your point, Shulga got to the line with that that play call to win the game with free throws. They did not shoot the ball that well San Jose State did. I don't think they played that great a defense on the Aggies until the end. Utah State just you don't want to say they didn't show up per se because that's probably not fair to the coaching staff and the players that are you know putting their belts on the line but it darn felt like they did not maximize their opportunities in that game and they did not have the urgency that they needed on saturday night against the spartans yep i i think my my analysis of that is um similar to to other ones i've seen online whereas this is a team that's you know borderline a uh, seven player rotation for the most part right and it just seemed like it had caught up with them you know you're, you've been missing rylan jones and you've been asking for a lot more from from a lot of players i mean you have ashworth playing basically 37 minutes every night now um 
you know, and, and then that's trickled up with Sholga with a few more minutes, with uh, Bear still getting a few more minutes, you know, things like that. And it's just it's just added up and added up, and uh, it seems like they just they just didn't have the energy for that one. It it was kind of what um, Barristow said at the end of the game. He's just like, he's just like I don't know what to say. Like we just we didn't have the urgency. You know we didn't we didn't play like we needed to and like how we know how to. And that's that's what I saw there. Um, I will defend Sandy, San Jose State <laughs> a little bit more than Jacob. Um, and that Omari Moore is a great player. I think that he could find himself in the NBA. I might be overhyping him a little bit there. But yes. Okay. Continue. <laughs> Fair enough. But, um, you know, scores 27 points. Uh, he was making tough shots. It, it wasn't all, you know, like miscues from the Aggie defense. Like, he, he's a good player, and he really put it on. It was one of his best performances of his career uh, against Utah State the other night. I'm going to get back to Omari Moore. <laughs> But I'm going to push back. Well, I'm going to push, push back in both your claims. Not, okay. not because y- you <laughs> made them, but because I, I did see some of this. My pushback is I don't think that the rotation is a very viable excuse. Mm-hmm. The reality is they have an eight-man rotation, not including Shimon Zapala, not including Riley Jones, who has pretty much been out and is probably not going to return this year. But when you say you only got a seven-man rotation you're really discrediting either Zihamona or RJ Edelrock, who get a lot of minutes, right? It's not like they are... I'm not saying they're playing well. Sure. <laughs> but it kind of feels like RJ Edelrock and Zihamona have... Zihamona's going through a sophomore growing pains. He looks a little out of place on time, especially when he makes a mistake on offense. He does not get back and do his job on defense, which is his greatest a- asset is his length and his athleticism and all that good stuff. But the problem is with RJ Edel- Edelrock is he was the starting point guard last year that there were games where he was a big part of the offense and this year he just looks sluggish and not really about that and so part of it is it's not you can't just blame a lack of depth you can maybe blame the coaching staff slash some of the players for not playing to the potential that they were expected to play this year rj also had some injuries going into the offseason. Maybe there's still things that are lingering. I don't want to drag him through the mud too much. But I don't like that. I don't like that excuse. I also don't think that the coaching staff on Saturday maximized the roster the way that they could have. Trevin Dorius Mm -hmm. has been playing really, really good minutes. Best best minutes of his career. Yeah, I mean, this year's been phenomenal for him. When you're talking about, oh, a short staff bench, it makes it a lot shorter when you are not using your guys as much as you should. Trevin Dorius only played 12 minutes. He got his fourth foul 16 minutes into the second half, which is his fault. Four you can't. Into the second oh, excuse me. You're right. Yeah. You, ca- you cannot get your fourth foul that early. But they never brought him back into the game. Never. Dan Atkin was not. He's, he's just not tall. He's physical. He brings the energy. And he's a phenomenal player. There are things that Trevin does that Dan Atkin cannot that they needed from Doris. And, like, rebounding, San Jose State got six second-chance points on the boards in that second half. Two of them were these pivotal, pivotal back-to-back baskets within the final three minutes. And you got a guy in Omari Moore who was just burning you every single time, and there was no rim protector to meet him at the rim. Now, that's the other thing I'll say about Omari Moore. Great player. I'm not an NBA scout, so <laughs> I don't know if he has a shot at the NBA, but what I do know is it's the most competitive league in the world, 
And if you're not a lottery pick or talked about being a lottery pick, you're probably not going to make it in the NBA. haven't heard Omari Moore come up on any draft boards in that sense. So in that sense, I don't really believe he'll be an NBA player. Okay. He could be a great G League player. Maybe he works his way into a roster. It's not. He certainly has talent. Yeah. But there's no surprise that guards and ball-dominant players have these amazing nights against the Aggies. It's not a coincidence. It's not that all of a sudden, oh, it's Utah State on the schedule. I'm going to play the best basketball in my life. <laughs> There's something the Utah State de- defense is not doing that does it. And I think on Saturday night, we saw poor defense and then a poor failure to adjust. They had all these guys switching on. They had Steven Ashworth guarding them. They had RJ Edelrock guarding them. RJ's not quick enough to stay with him. They had him, RJ Edelrock guarding Omari Moore in that final five minutes of a couple of stretches. That's not going to work. Steven Ashworth, too small to stick with Omari Moore. He's 6'6". Steven Ashworth is 6'1". you got to throw Max Schulga on him or something. Also, Omari Moore goes to his right. Unstoppable when he goes to his right. That's something that they rehearse in practice on scout team all the leading up to this game. And they could not. It didn't even look like they were trying to force him another direction. They were just... Omari Moore did whatever Omari Moore wanted to do that final 10 minutes of that game. He had 16 points in the final 10 minutes. Yep. He took that game of over. 16 of 20 20 of 27, I believe. Okay. Oh, oh, 16. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, 16 of, of the last 24 points San Jose State scored were all by Omari Moore. That's, yeah, that's, that's crazy, and that can't happen. And, I mean, they lose that game by five. They had opportunities to uh, tie the score late, but when you let one guy take over like that, and it appears that you don't do anything to change it, you deserve to lose the basketball game. And that effort, obviously, that's a brutal loss in February that you can't have. Right now, they're on the outside looking in on the NCAA tournament. But also, what from what you watched Saturday makes you think that that team deserves to be in the <laughs> NCAA tournament? I'm dead serious. That's mm. that's harsh. That that's is harsh. harsh. That is harsh. But I, if they play like they did against New Mexico, yeah, that's a tournament team. But when you're in a mid-major conference that already has three teams that are locks in the NCAA tournament. If you're going to be the fourth or a fifth bid in a mid-major league, you got to prove it. you got to have a pretty flawless resume. Right now they got two quad four losses, zero quad one wins. Their first quad two loss came in really upsetting fashion. So they got the games left. Nevada is technically a teetering quad one, quad two on Saturday. We can get into that a little bit. But, I mean, right now as it stands, they have not done themselves any favors well and before you even look uh look at at nevada you still got to beat a pesky air force team that knocked out uh new mexico this weekend so it's true i mean to the point of where utah you know if, if the mountain west truly is a four-bid league i will say utah state's looking better than new mexico right now primarily because you know the head-to-head win but you know secondarily is uh, they're right there with you, taking a bad quad two loss at home. Quad three, even. Is Air Force quad three? Air Force, I believe, will be quad four at home. Oh, man. So that's One, that's one thing I'll say about that, Jalen House was out for New Mexico. Yeah. Lobos are slipping a little bit. It was on the road. Mm-hmm. you got to believe the Aggies take care of business tomorrow against Air Force. If they don't, then... Any, then there's nothing else to talk there's about. There's nothing else to talk about. Like not, if if they can't be Air Force at home, then... That's the end of the story. They they have that's a game you just have to take care of business in, which I fully expect they will. Yeah. Right. Unless just a complete, if there's a complete systematic failure on their end, 
in lack of effort or if half the team gets sick or something, <laughs> right? Like It's just not the culture a Ryan Odom team has. I mean, that's that's the main thing. I, this is coach talk, but you could you could really see it, especially last year's team when they just suffered brutal loss after brutal loss. You know, they 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 kept their their motivation, their their uh, uh, you know their passion, their things like that. Um, they were playing hard the whole season, and uh, they're pretty level headed. So I'd imagine they'll, they'll bounce back from this one primarily just because they have a healthy locker room that can deal with that. I, I mean, yeah, we'll see. I, th- I think they will. And let's let's jump to another break. But then after, there's a couple more things I want to talk about in terms of the at-large conversation, and then we can move on to, uh, to all the other stuff we have to talk about. All right. Sounds good. Stick around here on Aggie Radio. Hello? Hello? Oh, hey, J.C. Caldwell, Utah Statesman News Manager here. You know, now that I have you, you should pick up a copy of The Statesman, USU student-run newspaper. A new issue comes out every Monday, and you can find them at almost any building on campus. Or read online at usustatesman.com. You do want to know what's happening on campus and in Logan, don't you? Anyway, I gotta run and grab a copy of my own. See you later. Programming on Aggie Radio is brought to you by First Choice Imaging in Logan. Locally owned and operated, First Choice Imaging is an outpatient radiology facility that offers MRIs, CT scans, ultrasounds, and x-rays. The staff lives here and works here and believes you shouldn't have to choose between getting answers and paying for groceries. First Choice Imaging is located at 630 East, 1400 North, Suite 115. Your health, your money, your choice. More information is available at firstchoice-imaging.com. Here's a happiness hack from USU's Healthy Relationships Utah Initiative. Did you know the way we view our stress can change how it affects us emotionally, mentally, and even physically? You can do this by focusing on things you have control over and letting go of things you cannot control. USU's Healthy Relationships Utah Initiative offers a variety of free community courses online and in person that help singles, couples, and parents. Here for the Aggie Radio Sports Show on 92.3 KBLULP Logan, presented by the Utah Statesman. Uh, Jake Ellis here with Jacob Nielsen talking about uh, Utah State men's basketball chances at the tournament. Um, right now, as you said, on the outside looking in, uh, they had been kind of consistently on you know a lot of bracketologists, you know, uh, you know next four or or the four after, you know. So there's like the final four in right, and then it's the next four right. Uh, that just missed. They had been around there, kind of dropped to the next four after that, and then really have kind of fallen off those lists after uh, that loss to San Jose State this weekend. So, Jacob, you promised me during the break that you had an optimistic take on this, so please enlighten me. I've been quite pessimistic, and for good reason. It's hard to be optimistic after that San Jose State loss. The optimism is looking at their resume as a whole. And here's the, here's the first thing I'll say. 
I mentioned this before, but Utah State is 6-1 and one in quad two wins. Six quad two wins is by far the most they've ever had. For example, the 2020 to 2021 year, ravaged by COVID, they still got an at-large at 11C. That's when they played Texas Tech. That was Craig Smith's final year. They were 2-1 and one in quad two games. So they, I mean, only they only had three quad quad two opportunities, and, and they were 2-1. and one. They have six quad two wins right now. The difference that year was they had two quad one wins. They were 2-5 and five in quad one. Utah State this year still has probably two if not three quad one opportunities if Nevada and Boise State can turn into wins and they stay above the top 30 line and if UNLV can get below 75 then that road game is a quad one opportunity if we look at this year's team there's still opportunities from the teams they've already beaten as well slash lost to to improve the looks of the resume the first one I want to start with is SMU SMU right now they lost to them on December 23rd at the Hawaii Diamond Head Classic. That was a bad loss. Neutral site, though. Neutral site. SMU right now is a quad four loss. But at 206, all they have to do is they have to get to 200. If they get to 200, then that moves up to a quad three loss. One quad four and one quad three is so much better than two quad fours. Because if you look at other teams on the bubble, a lot of teams have multiple quad three losses, and a lot of them have one or zero quad four not a lot of teams on the bubble with two quad four. So if you get that monkey off your back, if SMU can move up. SMU yesterday played Wichita State. It was a quad two game. They went to double overtime against them and lost. <laughs> they still moved up three spots, though. Mm-hmm. And you look at Southern Meth- Methodist, SMU, their final, ske- their final games of, of the regular season, they play at home against Houston, number one. Probably a loss, but the way the net works, it might even help them playing a number one seed if they can play in qu- close. Then they have a quad four game at home against East Carolina. You have to win that. Then they play on the road at South Florida. Here's the key one. Against Memphis, really good team, but it's at home, a quad two team. Memphis can be shaky. And then at Cincinnati, 75, that's a quad one game. Also a team that has been shaky. So if SMU can pull off, if they can win three of those five games to close out, they will be a quad three game. That would be huge. Uh, a few other things. Right now, Utah Valley is number 79 in, uh, in in the net rankings. If they move up to 75 or higher, then that is a, a home quad two win. That's another quad two win for Utah State because they beat on the first game of the season. The same is the scenario with a handful of other schools, including UNLV, who's at 83. They, they move up to 75. That win on January 17th is a quad two win. And if they're above 75 on the road, that's a quad one opportunity. So Aggie fans, you need to cheer for UNLV because that's two <laughs> that's two different games. And then the final one that I'll touch on, Oral can Roberts. You, uh, can you break out the, the Rebel chant real quick? <laughs> or, uh, I, I, know, I know you want to. I know, I know you want to. <laughs> um, the last one I'll, I'll say, and then we can move on because this is word salad talking about quadrants, even though it's important, is Oral Roberts' is 38. That was a win early in the year. That was the game. Sam Merrill went off. I guess that's happened. Excuse me, not Sam Merrill. St- <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Stephen Ashworth went off. They won 95-85. Oral Roberts hasn't lost in the new year, except once. Two New Mexico ball teams. They're 38th in the net. If they get 30th or higher, they will be a quad one win for Utah State. That's going to be tricky because if you look at the remaining schedule, not a lot of opportunities 
but three quad four and one quad three. <laughs> but if they win their conference, close out undefeated, I think there's a decent chance that maybe they could get to that 30 line, which is looking good because they are blowing teams out. So there is opportunities with games already played for Utah State's resume to just automatically improve. But the most important thing is they have to be perfect down the stretch. Got to be there first because hey, it's a quad three game, but you got to win that. Nevada, you need that quad one opportunity. You need to win that. Wyoming, you got to take care of business. And then UNLV and Boise to close up the year. They they could finish this two and five really easily. They could beat Wyoming and Air Force and lose to Nevada, UNLV, and Boise State. Then they're like a fourth seed in the NIT, and, you know, we pack our bags and go home. But they could also, if they win out these five games and some things go right their way, they could go into Vegas all on the right side of the bubble still. A lot has to happen, but there's a chance. It's not dead in the water yet. They don't have to win the conference tournament to make the NCAA tournament. Another thing happening, and you wanted to touch on this a little bit, is a down year for some of the big Power 5 schools, and a lot of teams on the bubble haven't been training in the right direction. Kentucky lost to Georgia over the weekend. Wisconsin lost to Nebraska over the weekend. So some of these at-large teams that are traditionally solidly in the tournament, um, some of these, not I wouldn't say blue bloods about Wisconsin, but some of these uh, reputable universities, if they keep struggling down the stretch, then that opens the door for more mid-major teams to work their way into the tournament, including Utah State. And so there's still a lot of basketball to be played. Things are not looking good right now and needs near perfection here towards the end. But I would not, let, last year at this time, the question was, can Utah State even make the NIT? This is not the same scenario. There are still opportunities for them to salvage this and make the big dance. But after last week's debacle at San Jose, much more difficult. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you touched on it a little bit, but the other thing is uh, you got uh, you know the Spectrum South coming up. You got the Thomas and Mac, <laughs> and uh, you've won two of the last four conference titles. It's true. Uh, and Boise State looks real damn good. Sorry, I, that's FCC compliant, but I apologize for that <laughs> language. And uh, um, you know, Boise State looks good. Nevada looks good. But uh, y- you know, maybe uh, you put in that that clutch opportunity, give them a chance in the tournament, and then you don't have to talk about quad anything. It's just for seeding, and who really cares? You just got to beat. Uh, you just got to win. You just got to win, or you go home. Right? Young Jake Ellis, I have I I have a a scenario for you that's possible. Mm-hmm. Right now, New Mexico and San Jose State are tied in the conference at 6-6. Six and six. New Mexico will probably get that fifth seed at least. Excuse me, the yeah, the fifth seed. San Jose State will probably be the sixth. But what if Jalen House stays hurt? New Mexico loses some late games. They drop into the sixth seed. Utah State stays at the fourth seed, which is likely. They play San Jose State in the quarterfinals, which I think would be a likely Utah State win because it took almost everything to go wrong slash Omari Moore having an incredible game for them to lose. I like them in a third matchup, Utah State over San Jose State. But what if New Mexico, they're the sixth seed, they come marching into the tournament. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this. No, I don't. They face in the quarterfinals Boise State, the number three seed, and they beat them. Mm. They send Leon Rice back to Idaho (laughs) after Thursday. How amazing would that be? That would be a wonderful, wonderful... um What's a holiday around my St. Patrick's Day present? I would really be a wonderful, that wonderful present. Um, <laughs> that doesn't change the path that Utah State has to go through. They'd still probably have to beat San Diego State, 
or Nevada in that one seed to get to the finals. But that's a good consolation if Utah State can't win the championship as long as Boise loses early. So that's that's a little bit of a pipe dream that I have. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to come to fruition or not, but it, a, man, a man can dream. A man can dream. A man can dream. Yeah. Well, uh, not too much time left in the, the Aggie Radio Sports Show tonight. Um, we do have a couple big things to talk about. I mean, uh, softball and gymnastics had some uh, some good some good news this weekend. Well, I don't know if it's good for gymnastics, but there's news. So stick around. We're not done here yet on Aggie Radio. You are listening to Aggie Radio on 92.3 KBLULP, Logan, Utah State University. Making Logan weird since 2016. Hey Aggies, looking for new ways to get involved, make new friends, and get professional experience? Aggie Radio has a place for you. Find out how you can get involved at our website, radio.usu.edu, and we'll see you there. Great Basin Urgent Care is located at 1201 South Main Street, Suite 110, Logan. Great Basin Urgent Care offers IV hydration therapy, including banana bags. Other services include x-rays, in-house lab tests, blood draws, and medication management. Primary care is also provided. More information is available at greatbasinuc.com. is now hiring students for the 2023 spring semester. Wages start at $13.50 with flexible hours. More information can be found at usu.joinhandshake.com under the Aggie Shuttle Driver application. Welcome back to Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLU LP Logan. This is the Aggie Radio Sports Show. I'm Jacob Nielsen. Alongside me, the one and the only Jake Ellis. One and the only because he's the one and the only sports editor of the Utah Statesman. Anyways, we have a few more minutes left. We talked a lot, a lot of men's hoops. We're going we're gonna to pivot, pun intended, <laughs> to softball and gymnastics. What do you got for us, Jake? you want uh, good news or bad news first? Um, uh, I, I want, I want the... the <laughs> I, I don't know. It's a so simple just question. Good, good or bad? I, I hate that question, man. What, what do you mean you hate that I like question? to be an optimist, you know? Mm, okay. Good or less good? <laughs> Le- let's go less good first. Okay. Well, the less good thing is that the gymnastics team is 1-6 right now. 1-5 um, in, in conference because, you know, they lost to Utah, who's in the top five nationally or so. I mean, give or take. I think they might have dropped one down the stretch because they've had some injuries. But anyway, uh, you know... It's it's the first season under Coach White. A lot of turnover, a lot of transfers out of the program. Um, it's a young team. Also in gymnastics defense, mm-hmm. they don't play any patty cake teams in gymnastics. No, no, nope. This ain't this ain't going one and six in basketball. Yeah. This ain't going one and six in volleyball when you're playing Cal State Northridge. Yeah. This is this is one and six against Boise, against BYU, against Utah. You name it, that conference they're in, the Mountain Rim region, very difficult. They won it last year, which was a mega accomplishment. But there's, there's no patty cake matches or meets. So that that doesn't necessarily mean that this team is a dumpster fire just because they're 1-6 like it would in other sports. Shout out to gymnastics. 
And I know that you weren't applying that. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I got to back yeah, my girls. No, no, you're right. I mean, it's good good context in case you're not, you know, on the gymnastics beat um, like I am dialed in. <laughs> but, no, so the big news here is that, you know, the Aggies lose two straight to Boise State. One on the road, but it was decently close, you know, within .7 of a margin. Like, that's a, it's a pretty close meet. Had, you know, maybe a couple mistakes there, but it's one that you think you can win at home um, in the next week. And what happens is the Broncos come to the spectrum, and they score point, .25 less than they did at home. But the Aggies score more than two points, two full points less at home. Ooh, that's, that's it, brutal. It was, it was horrible. I mean, sorry, it was, that's harsh. It was, a, it was tough. It was, it was really bad. And let me qualify this we with... We leave those harsh words for other teams on campus. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you know, I'm not going to baby them. It was horrible. It was a bad, it was a bad meet. It was bad. Um, and the, the main problem is you had some injuries. Um, you had Amari Evans get injured pre-meet, uh, warming up, and she's unable to perform on the floor, one of the best floor performers for Utah State. And then um, you had multiple girls drop on the bars, uh, and you only drop, you know, your lowest score. So you had to keep one of those uh, in your total. So it just it wasn't their night, but that's saying it lightly. It was it was just bad. It was a rough performance, um, and the only other time that they've scored below 195 on the season was at Southern Utah when they had a similar score at 193. The next week they bounced back, almost scored a 196 against BYU. So I'm hoping that same thing happens this next week because uh, guess what's happening on Friday night? Cookies, cookies, <laughs> cookies. You're right. You are right. They're trying to set a Guinness World Record for the most cookies dunked in milk at the same time. Guinness? Guinness. Oh, I knew that. When you read it, it looks like it's genus. Oh. Okay. <laughs> but then again, I, I'm not an English major. So. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. You're not a math major either, right? <laughs> never never claimed to be a math major. <laughs> um so the problem there is that Southern Utah is a really good gymnastics team. I don't believe they're ranked anymore, but they were right around that bubble of that top 25 gymnastics programs in the country. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that the goal here is going to upset Southern Utah. Obviously, you, you'd love to do that. But the goal here has to be getting back up to your season average of around, you know, 195 um, and a half. So if you can score right. around there – after suffering some injuries and a really bad performance at home, you feel decent about finishing out the season. Um, but it's kind of a pivoting point right here. I think it could really dictate the rest of their season. Young Jake Ellis, can, can we be frank, though, yeah. on what the true goal is Friday night? Mm-hmm. we got to get 4,000 fans in the spectrum, <laughs> non-lactose intolerant yeah. 4,000 fans, <laughs> right? Because mm-hmm. that's that's what they're going for. The record's four thousand. That that's what they have to reach. I don't know what the previous record is. I don't know when else this had been done, but it must have been done somewhere because they're going for it. Yeah. It, there has to be a bar because I can get you and me, and we can dip our cookies in milk, and we can say, "Boom, the record." So obviously, there has to be a bar <laughs> set somewhere yeah. prior. But I mean, four thousand people is a lot, a lot of people, and we're, we're not talking men's basketball here. We're talking gymnastics, which draws really, really well, but. Mm-hmm. For a Friday night, it's All-Star Weekend in Salt Lake. There's other stuff going on. you got to get 4,000 people. That'll be really interesting to see. I think they will do it because they've marketed it really, really well, and this is yeah. a really exciting thing. But, I mean, you got to get 4,000 people in the door. That's <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. 
Well, big big night for gymnastics. Friday night, 7 o'clock at the Spectrum, if you want to be a part of a uh, record-breaking process. Hopefully, an attempt there. Get to the Spectrum. I, I would love to be there. I'll probably be partaking of the NBA festivities. Mm. Might be at the Rising Stars game watching Walker Kessler. Ooh, that could be fun. We'll see. You know, you never know. You're not on that high school hoops beat? Oh, boy. I, I, I might have to break some tough news oh, to no. some of our friends that... Uh, competitive uh, <laughs> rival newspapers. Oh no! Well, okay. Now let me get you the great news of this this last weekend. Um, the Aggies. The great news was in the cookies. No. Well, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, of, of this okay. last okay. weekend, that happened. So, um, the Aggies softball team always plays their first month in California for obvious reasons, and. Um, what What are those obvious reasons? Snow. It's nice outside. <laughs> you can play softball right All now. Thirty degrees. I mean, the field isn't covered anymore because it's turf now, but anyway, uh, they prefer... They just need to get a bubble over that bad boy. Okay. like like a I don't know if any of y'all are familiar with Murray. There's a place called the Sports Mall. They got the tennis ball. It is, there's like 12 tennis courts in there. Mm-hmm. If you can fit a bubble in 12 tennis courts at a little, little rec place, you can do it for USU women's softball. Well, but you get scared of it looking like the Tropicana, right? And it would uh, be looking <laughs> like the Tropicana. <laughs> you wouldn't yeah. want that. Yeah, no one would come. So, anyway. I would go. Oh, well, I I'd be there too. Uh, softball's great. I love uh, softball. It's, it's awesome. It's one of my favorite Aggie sports, actually. Don't, don't tell them this, you know, because I, I try to maintain appearances, but I really like softball. Um, but the thing is, freshman pitcher comes in against CSU Bakersfield. It's their first collegiate um, pitching outing. And, um, you know, what would you say is a pretty good outing for someone in their first time in the circle uh, as a college player? Um, I would say if she went, if she went, got through five innings, um, I don't know, gave up less than four runs, you know, got a couple of strikeouts maybe. That that'd be a solid first outing. Okay. Um, do you know what happened <laughs> on on Saturday? Something better than that. <laughs> a lot better than that. Um, sorry, I pulled up the wrong game. That's why I'm trying this out a little bit. But I have the right one now. So, Utah State had one pitcher pitch all nine innings. Haley McLean, a freshman. And guess what? In this nine innings, she struck out 20, setting a Utah State program record for strikeouts in a game. Freshman, first game in the circle. In nine innings. Nine innings. This game, like didn't go into extra so there were more batters no. and she just had like a still arm that didn't get tired nope you're telling me freshman in From softball Sparks, Nevada represent baby <laughs> let's go Nevada let's go <laughs> Great Basin Reno Sparks area that is awesome I love that you know Sparks Nevada has an awesome shields oh yeah hey, but that, that's getting off track yeah. but that is incredible because that's 27 batters yeah she struck out 20 out of 27 and softball is it's similar to baseball. It's very hard to get hits and get on base, but correct me if I'm wrong, it's a contact-oriented sport, right? Yeah. Like, it's tougher to get hits in the sense that the field's smaller, right? It's more condensed and you have equal amount of players, but the ball's bigger. Yeah. So it's easier to make contact. So it's harder to get strikeouts in softball than baseball. It's a lot more field play for outs, yeah. And she got 20 strikeouts. 20 strikeouts. Against Cal State Bakersfield? Cal State Bakersfield. It's a D1 school in California that has, I mean, Bakersfield's kind of like Kmart, California, but like Mm -hmm. that's still a plethora plethora of quality talent that could be there. Yeah. And she got 20 strikeouts. She did. Set a stadium record, too, for Easton Stadium in L.A. 
which I don't remember whose home field it is. I think it's Loyola Marymount. Perhaps. Very cool. But, Very cool. Um, pretty, 20 strikeouts. Do they win that game? They, I hope. they certainly did. 3-2. to two. Excellent. Actually, I think that did go into to extra innings, just so you know. But but she pitched that. But she pitched it. She pitched the whole way. So, Can you imagine you pitched through nine innings and you had 20 strikeouts and your offense couldn't get you the, get you the <laughs> dub in regulation? Well, I mean, she did give up two runs, I would say. But that's still pretty that's low. That's just, just two runs. Yeah. This is her first time out. Yeah. That really remind me of her name of... Haley McLean. Haley McLean? I mean, we got to have her on the show or something. Yeah. This is remarkable. Mm-hmm. First outing, Sparks, Nevada. I like everything I'm hearing about this. <laughs> well, great. Gra- glad to hear. The the <laughs> Aggies are a 2-3 and three right now through their first tournament. Um Gave a good fight to Loyola Marymount. Lost in the eighth inning, three to four. Um, but they swept Bakersfield in two games, and then uh, lost to Cal, who's a Pac-12 school, of course. That's you know big softball country. And then uh, Cal State Fullerton got them when their offense couldn't get going, and they didn't get a run in that game. I mean, that's those California schools. Cal State Fullerton, that's a big-time baseball softball program. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Cal's Pac-12, but like, Titans, don't don't be deceived by some of these smaller schools for being bad losses, per se. Yeah. You lose to Cal State Fullerton in basketball, oof, Cal State Fullerton, great program in softball and baseball. Would have liked to, they, they'd like to start better than two and three, right? Yeah. But I mean, when you're playing these competitive schools, tournament. competitive tournament, yeah. I mean, because there have been times that they've opened the season just getting trounced yeah. by a lot of these schools, right? Yep. So opening competitive, really long season. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they can uh, they can have a good ball club this year. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so as well. Uh, well, Jacob Nielsen, uh, I think we have just about run out of time. So anything else you want to say here? Just once again, shout out to the herd getting it right this week. Air Force Tuesday night blew out, retiring J.C. Carroll's number number twenty Saturday wide out against Nevada. Should be a, a good week. Certainly, certainly. Well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. For Jacob Nielsen, I'm Jake Ellis. Have a great night. Hello, Aggies. This is Bill Barthes, your chief of police at Utah State University. You're listening to Aggie Sports Radio on 92.3 KBLU LP Logan. Ciao! It's me, Lightning McQueen. You're listening to Aggie Radio, 92.3 KBLU.